Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 42nd episode of the Red Sox Filter Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Green, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, who gets lovelier every time, Dave Latham. Dave, say hi. How's it going, everyone? There's actual baseball on television. Yeah, that that, that is the important part. We actually have more stuff, I think, to talk about. Qualifier is spring training, and a lot of stuff is going to be presumptive, and it's a small sample in spring training, too, so we don't really have a lot of good data to analyze, but it's baseball. Things are happening. Uh, but yeah, also on the line, we have our lovely producer, our co-host, Chris Drozin. Chris? Hey. Uh, always the hey. Always uh, the callous, indifferent, apathetic I, hey. I'm excited, because Bryce Brents is really showing off that potential. Brentsylmania is alive and well. I really enjoy yeah, Brentsylmania. Brents played. Brents, uh, I think he played in the. He played in one of the games. I think it was against the Orioles in the split squad today. He uh, he didn't do so hot. Zero for three with uh, nothing. But we're he not, does we're not a, talking about that. We're talking about we're that. Talking no, we're talking about fourteen hundred OPS that he has in spring training right now. Exactly yeah, that one. That that is uh, yeah. I mean that's actually pretty good. Trade Jake. You start Brents. I, yeah, let's put Brent's in center field. That's a train. Let's get on that train. Yeah. Let's do it. Make it happen. I mean, no, no, please, please, please. You're not please. feeling it? And look, I'm Brent's bigger, biggest supporter and probably the face of the um, And I, I don't, I know. I like how you say biggest supporter, like there's even one other human being out there who cares about him, like uh, as he, a player. If he, if he it has sounded a wife, nicer than only. If he has a wife or a girlfriend or a mother, I'm assuming. No, no, I'm sure they care about Bryce Brents as a person, and I'm sure he's a fine dude, but as a baseball player, no one cares. You think at some, uh, point, you think at some point your family's like, hey dude, you're not going to make it, could you just go find a different job and actually make some money? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, Brents is like, what, he... He's made he's the 30. minimum before, but he's made the minimum before because he's, he's been on the major league roster. Not make, for a whole year. Yeah, you don't you know, make, you make a prorated. Year, right? You make a prorated version. Yeah, but so he's made. I feel like, like he's accumulated some sort of wealth. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, he he can make a modest living off what he's been getting, but like the guys who are like twenty nine and still playing double A, it's like, who are you kidding? No, I, I know, I know. I'm saying Brent's probably has more money than we maybe. No, I mean again, he's probably fighting tooth and nail because that's a good point. He doesn't get everything, so did he have I don't a know. Sign, well, did he have a signing bonus? I'd uh, be shocked. I Bryce. he probably has incentives if he makes it to the major league roster. Let's let's subpoena his finances and we'll see. We'll try to get that. We'll try to see what he's actually making. Actually, we'll probably Google it. Nah, too much who cares? Work. Who, Who cares? cares? I care. But yet, you care? I do. Do you uh, want to do some investigation? I'm currently doing We're like, how far are we into this podcast and we haven't made <laughs> off Bryce Brents? We lost 90% of the listenership hey, already. Let's get on to the good stuff. In 2010, he made $889,000. Was that when he was drafted? Yeah, he was a first rounder. Okay, so he's made a million dollars, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, again, Bryce Brents, is, if, if he budgeted well, he's probably fine. Anyway, um, <laughs> getting off of Bryce Brents, we're going to take a serious tone um, here for a second. And th- there was some sad news for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Blake Swihart's brother uh, passed away today, which is Wednesday when we're recording. 
Um, and it was a very, the clubhouse had a very somber moment today. They delayed the media um, events that they usually have or the meeting. Um, but yeah, we want to just at Red Sox unfiltered. We hope that Blake Swihart and his family get through this together during this tough times. And we're definitely sending our thoughts and prayers to Blake Swihart and everyone involved. But yes, um, now that we get that out of the way, um, yeah, Red Sox have baseball. They're playing baseball games. Exciting. And I, th- I think the headliner at this point has to be uh, Michael Chavez. The dude has a knack for three-run home runs. He hit another one today. I, that, that makes three in a row, right? That's, yep. that's three straight games. He hits a three-run round tripper. Like, I mean, this is, this is getting fun. And, and as you said before we, uh, got on the, got on the recording stage, like, if, if there are, if there are two runners on, you might as well just walk them because it's going out of the yard. So yeah, I want to get to your early thoughts. I mean, obviously this is such a small sample, but I mean, three home runs is three home runs. It's pretty impressive. The power is clearly there. Um, what do you make of his power burst at this early stage of the season? Do you think that? If he continues, to, I mean, obviously he's not going to have a home run every game, but if he continues at a kind of similar pace that he could crack the opening day roster? I'd be astonished just because where would you put him? Because Devers is locked in at third. He's not going to not make the team. And at first base, you have the platoon of Pearson Moreland, and you can't really put him back there. You already have depth that has to be on the major league roster and guys like Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt. So I really don't see a place for Chavis to go. He's playing well enough that he certainly could be on the majors, and he's probably close to being major league ready. But at the same time, it's spring training, so you don't want to read too much into the results, as great as they may be. And uh, he's only spent about maybe a month or two in Pawtucket. So he, I'd like to see him get more time in the minors. I'd like to see him work defensively on first and second base, because he's pretty decent as a third baseman. But I want to see him kind of iron out the defense, prove that he can do a bit more. Let him see a bit more of Pawtucket before he jumps up to the majors. And just from a roster standpoint, who we already have, it would be really hard to get him on the active roster anyway. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I echo everything you just said. I don't, I don't think any, anyone can really dispute that or like carve out a you know logical place he could fit on the field at this point. So it's it's, even if he has like a, Sam Travis-esque spring training. I don't think there's much room for him to, you know, carve a spot out, at least in the beginning of the season. Uh, what about you, Chris? What do you make of uh, his his early surge? It's February 27th. Uh, yeah. That, that's all I it got is. for you. <laughs> <laughs> February 27th. Probably like a sample size of like 12 total plate appearances. Way at, too at, early. Like most. And I'll bet you anything, he's probably been drug tested today. Wouldn't be shocked. Oh, no. I hope not, because he's got a bad track record with that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I would assume that once you end up on that list, any time that anything like this happens ever again, they're going to be like waiting for you in the clubhouse, ready mm-hmm. to test you. He's not juicing, though, because he did this at the end of last season, too. Like, the last two months of his 2018 were basically this yeah, that is obviously true. not a home run every day but like he put together some of his best baseball when he came back from the suspension which i'll fully admit that shocked me i thought he was um gonna dip a little bit because 
His 2017 season, when he first jumped onto the national radar, that kind of came out of nowhere, and I thought he was kind of a one-year wonder to begin with. Then with the suspension and taking time off, I didn't have high hopes for him at all. And then, lo and behold, he just blows everyone's just just blows everyone away with two great months. He's keeping it up in spring training. I'm I'm high on the kid, but you can't put him in the majors quite yet. Yeah, I, I remember vividly like one episode we literally concentrate on this on the subject of Michael Chavis's future, and it was like kind of after the PED suspension. I think it was like when we had that rumor of the Manning Machado for Chavis trade. Do you remember that episode? But yeah, yeah. I I remember you 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 kind of made a, like a complete one eighty on your your evaluation of him. Um, so yeah, I've progress. I've accepted that. I uh, know I. It is a Red Sox Unfiltered podcast episode, so I am contractually obligated to mention I used to live next to the Sea Dogs, and I saw them quite <laughs> a bit. So when, when Chafis was there, I was his bad luck charm because literally every game I went to where he played, he was horrible. Like, I think I saw him hit maybe one extra base hit during my time there. He was usually good for an error or a bad defensive play or two, and he just couldn't hit off-speed pitching to save his life. Now, when I'm not around, he's fantastic, and I've accepted that I cannot go to Fenway Park as long as Michael Chafis is on the Red Sox. So hopefully I can see a game in like April or May before he's called up, because once he's on the active roster, I just can't go to Fenway. Yeah, you might, like, if he carves out like a long career in Boston, it might be like two decades before you can step foot in Fenway Park. Yeah, either that or if it's just like... Like, if he's on, like, a fixed timeshare thing, like, I can schedule it where it's like, okay, a righty's pitching today, they're going to start Moreland, I can go. But if he pinch hits, I'm going to have to leave the stadium, just, like, run out the door. (laughs) Hopefully you won't have to do that. Um, We got another guy who's really hot in spring training. You know his name? He's hit, he hit another home run today. Two starts, two homers. You guys know who this is? Uh, I'm thinking... Tony Runda? Oh, yeah, that's what nah, I was t- Tony Runda, I, I mean, I, no, I don't, I don't, has he hit my I know he hit a homer there? today. I, I, yeah, we talked about that. I'd be surprised. Uh, Brock I'd be surprised if he had too bad. No, dude, he's, uh, this, this guy is, uh, I have a jersey of his, actually. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Jackie Bradley <laughs> Jesus. No, no, he's talking about, no, 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 he's talking about Rick Porcello. No, no, I'm talking about Jackie Bradley Jesus. Oh, okay, yeah, alright. Yeah, JBJ, um, continues to crush in a two-game sample two home runs the launch angle is real two-game sample against minor leaguers who aren't trying that hard it's real i'll have to look up who his homers were actually against but doesn't change the fact they're not trying that hard yeah this time of year like you can't read into what hitters are doing because right now the hitters are ahead of the pitchers yeah, and not only that, but so much of it is just players either the pitchers trying to find their stuff and batters trying to find their rhythm. Because let's not forget, at this point last year, Mookie Betts was 0 for 15 in spring training, and Alex Cora was ruining our great young talent with his launch angle philosophy. And then Mookie Betts went on to win MVP and have the best that basically anyone has ever had. So. Like, good and bad, let's temper some expectations here. Like, no. for every bad Mookie Betts start, there's 15 Sam Travis golden year or Jackie Bradley 2013 seasons. Like, it's great the guys are doing great, but let's not overreact to it. It's just encouraging news, but it's nothing to substantially take away. 
No, I hope you guys know I was being completely sarcastic. I, I, I have, like... Oh, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know. I'm just... Though, I... Just, I there's I, enough people who are... Dude, after Dahlbeck hit the homer in North North uh, against Northeastern, there were people genuinely wondering, could Dahlbeck take a challenge Devers for the starting third base job? Everyone's so, Devers, man. He's the one they all want out. Yeah, people don't understand that 21-year-olds take some time to develop. They want the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle off the team. Yeah, and that's another thing. Dahlbeck and Dahlbeck's older than Chafis, who's older than Devers. So yeah, Devers is going to take some time. That is that is that is very true. I'm sad that you just ignored my comment. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yeah, I'm really sad that you just ignored it. I I explain. <laughs> no, I kind of see the look. I don't uh, need an explanation. I see up, it. Pull up a picture, man. He he looks like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. He put, does. You put a you put a little bandana on him. Give him D- dye his skin green. Yeah, you got dye his skin green. Okay, I'll I'll pull up I'll the picture. T- <laughs> it's in the I, I, eyes. He has the it's eyes. It's in the eyes. No, I know Raphael Devers' face very well. It's the cheeks. It's the cheeks and then the nose, like the way his nose is. He's perfect the way he is. Yeah, no, there's no problem with him. He just could be. He could just be a teenage mutant ninja turtle if he wanted yeah. to be. I, uh, yeah, yeah, but, um, so there's something else that has been kind of making news lately in spring training. I don't know if you guys caught this kind of happened in camp, but Eduardo Rodriguez has a new pitch. We never got to talk about this. It's a, it's a slider and the results, um, he's been trying it out and by all indications, the results have been mixed. He's kind of working it in there sparingly. But I want to know what you guys think this slider could do potentially to his arsenal. And uh, if this could be a game changer for Eduardo Rodriguez. Very speculative. I mean, we haven't seen it in action that much. But it's been getting a lot of praise from around the camp. So what do you guys think so far, Dave? Well, I definitely think this is the time of the year where you're going to hear Player X has new X that's going to make him Y. You know, So there's a lot of that narrative going around. But at the same point... I'm all for Chris Sale and Pedro Martinez teaching Eddie Rodriguez how to throw a baseball. Those guys know a thing or two about it, and they taught him how to throw this slider. Eddie obviously has a nasty pitch tool, but he's struggled to stay on the mound. And when he does, he struggles to sort of stay consistent deep into games especially. So if he has another pitch or something that can keep hitters guessing, that's just going to be even better for him. It's going to help him be less predictable at the plate because in the past he struggled where if he doesn't have one of his pitches, his other two pitches become a lot more hittable. If he can add a fourth dangerous pitch into the mix, it just gives batters even more to think about. So I'm all for the extra pitch. Hopefully it turns out uh, something that he can use in games, even if it is just like maybe once or twice an outing, just to give something batters something to think about. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm going to be curious to see how different it is from his, his uh, cutter. Um, cause traditionally they kind of have similar trajectories. Um, and he uses his cutter a lot, uh, uh re- relatively speaking. I mean, he relies on his changeup and sinker and four seam more, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how those two pair as well as how that's going to pair the sinker as well. Um, what about you, Chris? What were your thoughts? I'm just going to say retweet. RT. Yeah. Retweet RT. You're just going to RT up in here. Yep. Little, the two little arrows going in a square. Uh, then, it goes, then it goes on my account, and it kind of looks like that 
and I'm giving someone else credit. That's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing? That's what I'm doing. Those are my thoughts. Dave gave you my thoughts. So retweet. Dave, you're good at that. He is. We you're, just, you're a very retweetable we let, person. We should just let Dave talk, and then we'll just retweet. RT Dave. Just Dave Thoughts the Podcast? Yeah. Yep. That's, I'm down that's for all, that. That's all, that's all the listeners need to hear. Tyler Thornburg made his uh, spring training debut today on Wednesday. Gave up two earned runs. Um, I don't know if anyone got a chance to watch the game. I don't even know if it was broadcasted anywhere. But the fact is, he uh, gave up two runs in an uninspiring performance because he gave up two runs. Small sample. I, I feel like I hate using this caveat before every single topic, but we're trying to make something out of out of kind of, honestly, a reservoir of nothing. So Tyler Thornburg pitched today. Uh, what are your guys' expectations for him in, in 2019? Non-existent. <sighs> Non-existent. If he does good things, yay. If not, that's expected. Because I, I remember, uh, who was it that we had on the pod? I think it was Chris Mason wrote an article, and he was pretty excited, relatively speaking, about the prospect of Tyler Thornburg. Now that I'm thinking about this, it could have been Matt Collins. I don't know if you remember we had a conversation pretty exhaustively with one of them. But yeah, Thornburg, obviously, his real problem was home runs. I mean, like, I I can buy the fact that he could be a competent middle reliever, like a Heath Hembree-esque. Just like the dude had a 2.25 home runs per nine last year, which, you know, that is unsustainable. His career is 1.07. That is just astronomical. That's not going to stay that high. So if that comes down to earth to like a normal number, then maybe we'd start to see like a 485 XFIP, which is more, uh, much more fruitful than a 563 ERA. Still a lot of troubling signs. I'm not convinced, but I guess the fact that his home run total was so inflated and that is so artificial, potentially it'll come down and Tyler Thornburg will craft a better season. And I think that is important to note. Uh, what about you, Chris? What are what are your expectations for Tyler Thornburg? Uh, I have none. So, retweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm adding nothing to this, but no, no, I, I don't have any expectations. I, I didn't really have any expectations. Um, when a guy comes off a year that he's, you know, not doing so well, he was hurt and whatnot, all that good stuff. I, I just, I have no expectations. That's fair. Yeah, and what what Thornburg had, uh, like the thoracic outlet syndrome, like that's not like a Tommy John thing where it takes a while, but a guy eventually gets better more often than not. Like this thing, guys genuinely struggle to ever find it again. There's no guarantee that good Thornburg is ever coming back. And you spoke to the high uh, homer, the home run rate, which it is going to go down a little bit just by dumb luck, but it's not like he was giving up home runs that just barely made it over like a short fence these things were going like miles and miles he was giving up hard contact he was giving up bad contact and he was leaving meatballs down over the plate your home run rate is going to be high if you keep doing that and if you lost your fastball which he very well could have like the numbers aren't going to get that much better he's still going to be a bad reliever just not yeah. like a tr- like historically awful 
Yeah, and and I think it's important to recognize the fact that you know in his in his really good year with the Brewers, he was averaging ninety five point one um, on the fastball. This is according to Pitch Info, Pitch Velocity from Fangraphs. Went down to ninety three point one in, in last season, um, so that's a little bit concerning, especially as if you don't have that fastball um, at the velo you want to set up your secondary pitches. Um, I remember was it. Were we all like freaking out over the depth of his curveball last year? Remember, we like saw some like video in the minor leagues, and everyone was like so infatuated with with how much it broke. Like, it had like this weird horizontal movement too. Yeah, that didn't really work out either. It wasn't effective. So, yeah, actually, it was by Fangraphs pitch values. It was his worst pitch. Oh, how sad. Sometimes expectations in life are not met. He was bad. Yeah, to say lightly. But the Red Sox won the World Series, so who cares? Yeah. But this year we might need him. Let's not use that to reduce the fact that the Red Sox need relieving arms, which brings me to Colton Brewer, who who is the guy that we... Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Why'd you say yeehaw? Can we just title this? Colton Brewer, let's get excited. Can we just title this the Small Sample Podcast? It's spring training, Chris. We gotta talk about spring training. <laughs> Inherently small sample spring training competition is is weird and people don't try as hard, but you know, spring training happens and spring training shall be talked about. Like the fact that no, I'm not gonna talk about Tony Renda's game tying homer in the seventh, but Tony Renda, shout out. But yeah, Colton Brewer. Overall, I feel like people have some kind of relatively not big expectations, but middling expectations that he could become a uh, part of the Red Sox roster come opening day. And he's a guy who has some good stuff, has some good peripherals in the minors. But at this point, uh, small sample, small sample, small sample. He had three runs today, and it is. His ERA is over 13. He's pitched a couple games, probably maybe three or four innings total. But Colin Brewer has not looked as good as, you know, he should ha- he should be at this point, especially because he's trying to crack the opening day roster. Now having just a game where he let up three runs isn't going to completely you know trounce his chances. But this is this is going to be interesting to monitor because I know again that the, these results tend not to matter. But for guys on the fringe of the roster, those are the guys that this matters for. That's when the magnitude increases. They're fighting for a job right now. Colton Brewer is fighting for a job. So Colton Brewer is a guy that we need to put under the microscope, in my opinion, because Colton Brewer may make this team out of camp or he may not. So he's somebody worth monitoring. Um, but what, what were your thoughts, Dave, about Colton Brewer's chances coming into spring training and now that he's played a couple games of spring training about making the opening day roster potentially? Yeah, it's still too early for me to say whether or not he'll make it or not, just because... You know, just because it is three games, so who cares? But I do think he set, has a good shot, because the Red Sox really do seem to like the guy. Uh, the way Dombrowski talked about him, he says he has the stuff to do to, like, be one of the better arms in the bullpen, which I don't disagree with, although I think he's a long way away from reaching that. Um, but again, there's really only so much you can take away. Obviously, you'd like him to do better than this, but I'm not worrying yet, so... Chris, you're going to retweet that? Uh, I'm going to say that I'm not worried at all because uh, I have literally zero expectations of this bullpen. So that's, that's where I'm at with the entire bullpen. 
That's this fair. Is a, that that is a fair point. I don't think many people would disagree with you that. You gotta lower your expectations, and then when they do really well, you can get really excited about it. Like yeah. in the last few months and into the postseason of last year, I had yeah. like I had very middling expectations for the Red Sox bullpen, and look at look at how that turned out. Yeah, I, w- I want to go on record and say once again I was right about that bullpen. You were. I was a little concerned, but I never pushed the panic button like certain Twitter users who you know interact with us. I think, yeah, I think I may have been one of those Twitter users. Let's go through the archives, Dave. Start looking up Chris's tweets. I'll do it. Maybe later. <laughs> Maybe later. We'll, we'll we'll put you on old takes exposed, Chris. It's okay. There should be, there should be a, a search function for tweets. I uh, no, no, <laughs> I that would be so good. I mean, you could search up like certain hashtags or something, and oh, you could search certain up, like, like, like phrases. Yeah, like I could search. I could like search my name. You could search up anything. You could search Whatever. up. Who cares? Who cares? I care deeply. So I got nothing. All right. <laughs> so we we pushed, out a, we pushed out we pushed out we pushed out a tweet uh, about if anyone had podcast questions today. No one answered the call <laughs> until eight seventeen, which is oh no wait eight forty, which is an exactly a minute ago. We got a question, guys. Are you excited yeah, for this? I tweeted it out at 8.17 like, while we were recording because I kind of forgot to do that earlier. So apologies, everyone, if you didn't get a chance to su- submit your questions. Wow. I suck. See, see, it says 5.38 when you posted it on, on, on my Twitter feed. Oh, it shouldn't. I Maybe West Coast time? Maybe. Yeah, yeah I tweeted it out three minutes ago. Oh wow! We oh got my god! Now we're getting, we're getting a lot of questions. Okay, uh, it's the same this? question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually really funny. So, <laughs> yeah, we, who cares when we push this out? But here, are, here are the two questions. What? Dave and I, what is going on? <laughs> did you? Are you seeing them too, Chris? Or? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Scott F at the frizz. R, I mean, F-R-I-Z-Z-87 at the Frizz 87 asks, will Jackie Bradley Jr. hit 80 homers this year? Uh, Dave, yes or no? Uh, he'll hit that mark by April, Scott. Start believing. Start believing. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, 80 I, homers? I have him at, eight, at, eight, at 79, actually. Uh, I was going to go 80, but 79. Something's going to happen. Shun the non-believer. Yeah, 79. Yeah, 80 is too unrealistic his, for you. His new swing is real pretty, though. It is. I, it is. It's real but pretty. But I, like, I would like to mention that, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. has played four full seasons, and <laughs> close to four full seasons, maybe five. Um, he has 2,500 career at-bats. He, he doesn't even have 80 total home runs. He has 70. So, um Maybe maybe he'll hit 80 home runs total career home runs uh, by the end of this year. You would hope, you would think, right? But um, the next question we got is from y underscore uh, y at y underscore not underscore discuss, and he asks, I think, which is the more relevant, realistic question, and I think this is a question that's burning to all of our listeners: Will Zui Lin hit 80 homers this year? Dave, 
The tsunami will strike and it will destroy all of Major League Baseball. Yes, Dave. yes, a thousand times yes. Dave, I love how you said tsunami. The people have I've spoken. I've given up. I've, I've listened to democracy. It's tsunami. For, for, for context of what I just said, last week on the podcast, we were talking about um, if the nickname Lin Sanity or Zoo or the tsunami better suited Zooey Lin. And we posed the question on Twitter and Dave, my gosh, man, what happened? It was like 88% yeah. to 12%. People don't want to see like Lin Sanity was 2012. I felt like, you know, it doesn't belong to Jeremy Lin anymore, but apparently it still does. And the tsunami just seems like, you know, that's original. The insanity was cliche, as Perry, you know, beautifully pointed out last week. So I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're in agreement on this now. Uh, what about you, you Chris? Zooey Lynn going to pop 80 this year? I have him at 79, too. Will he even get 80 plate appearances? Uh, that's the better question, actually. <laughs> that is the more oh, yeah. realistic question. He'll get 80. You think? think? You think so? Well, this is very reliant on me having zero faith in Dustin Pedroia, like staying healthy for a full season. Even Maybe. then, I, I mean, then, like he wasn't health. He wasn't even healthy last season, and he and Zoe Lynn only got seventy-three plate appearances. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, dude, thirty-seven huh. games, seventy-three PAs. And that was because well, somebody got hurt, I think. Right. Well, that's because it was uh, late in the season and nobody gave a shit anymore. Or yeah, exactly. That was, that's what it was. All right, that's Are we really going to have that separation with the Yankees going into September this year? I guess that's fair, but I don't know. I like I like Zuway Lin, so, I, so I think if he he's never going to hit 80 home runs in a season because nobody's done that, but I think if he had a chance to be a everyday utility guy, he could do the job. So are you on the record as suggesting Zui Lin will eclipse eighty plate appearances in twenty nineteen? Yeah, I'll take the over on that. Can we get that in writing, Chris? You're my bookkeeper. Wait, am I bookkeeping? We should like put dollar bets on these things. It'd be fun. Oh, I'm not betting money on any of this shit. Dollars. One dollars. And the winner yeah. And, hey, come and, on. And when you win, you get two dollars. Look, Chris and I are in a fantasy baseball league with a hundred dollar buy-in. This is nothing. Okay, fine, fine. If we're doing it, <laughs> fine. One dollar on Zuei Lin hitting eighty plate. We should just we year. should just come up with a number of dollars that we're willing to spend, right? And uh, just go through and make like say twenty bets. Say twenty bets. Tw- twenty bets. Yeah. yeah. Live on I, a podcast. I, I think we have to have an episode with predictions, yep. and and we'll definitely uh, and, and we'll make do that like, closer to we'll the We'll do year. like prices right rules. So like if if we say you know if we go over give the, we're yeah like give the give the number of home runs JD Martinez will hit, and if you say forty two and he hits forty one, you lose. Oh oh I uh, yeah okay no you can, right. it has to be prices right. That's where the fun is. Yeah, prices right rules are the best. Yeah, I don't like prices right rules. <laughs> They're very limiting. Like I could be, <laughs> literally be one off of something, but I would wait, wait. still be categorically wrong. Did somebody just try to do the prices? Yeah, right no, that real was me. Thing? I was trying. It, it oh, okay, I, I didn't know if like my headphones glitched out or something. Or... <laughs> no, that that was great. <laughs> okay, so getting back to topics that are not shrouded in, just not going to happen. Um, Brian Johnson 
this is a report on MLB.com by Ian Brown on an article he did. Said he quoted Brian Johnson as quote unquote embracing the role as the sixth man in the Red Sox starting rotation. But this led Dave and I to ponder out loud is he really the sixth starter in the rotation? What are your thoughts, Dave? Right now he is, but I don't know how long that's going to last. Obviously, Steven Wright's the better pitcher, but I think he, for his own sake, he should just be a bullpen-only guy whenever he's healthy, just because that's his best chance of actually staying alive. I think Velasquez can do everything Johnson can in terms of production. I think he offers a slightly higher ceiling. I wouldn't be surprised if Velasquez starts getting spot starts later on in the season. And as someone who kind of likes to see the best in minor leaguers, I think Mike Schwarn, he probably won't do it this year just because he's not on the 40 man, but I think 2020 Mike Schwarn's going to overtake Johnson as the top uh, top uh, spot starter if it came to that. Because he's going to yeah, need Sh- to be on the 40 next year to protect from Rule 5. So Yeah, Mike Schwarn pitched today. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, yeah, he what is he ranked the thirteenth, eleventh best prospect in MLB.com's top thirty? I have him at eleven. I Red think Sox. MLB has him at thirteen. Have, okay. okay, and I obviously yeah. know more about these things. Of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I am intrigued by him, especially like in, in terms of you know carving out a nice sixth. You know, you need you need starting depth. The Red Sox do, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I I think it's an because I, I feel like Brian Johnson and Hector Velasquez are very lateral. Again, Stephen Wright makes it more interesting, but as you said, like, you probably should stay there. I, honestly, I, I prefer Brian Johnson because peripheral-wise, he's a better pitcher. Like, he's got more of a complete package. Hector Velasquez inherently is a little more risky because his game is entirely predicated on balls in play and inducing weak ground balls. But ground balls can be finicky. Brian Johnson is accumulates more strikeouts though he doesn't accumulate uh, a lot Hector Velasquez like accumulates like three negative three standard deviations from the mean strikeouts probably an exaggeration but actually not as much as it should be Hector Velasquez does not accrue a lot of strikeouts um, and I feel like that as a starting pitcher is a little problematic Um, so I I would definitely go Brian Johnson I I think uh, right now he is the sixth man but honestly I'm not even sure if he breaks camp to be frank Really? Well, yeah, that I'm not, is fiery. I'm, I'm, I am not sold on him breaking camp. Wow! Even yeah. with having literally nobody in the bullpen. Yes, I, I am. I'm not sold. Whew! Coming in hot at me, Pat. Put that. Put that. On, put that in the bet book, Chris. Uh, is that going to be one dollar? Because I will take that. Oh God! Yeah. I think no, we, I think no, we just no. need to save the bets until we actually have a day we're going to do all the bets. Okay. We'll just do that, that's, fair. that's fair. Yeah, this yeah. is the, make it organized. Yeah, exactly. Got to organize this, guys. Maybe like next week we can do a like opening day bet list, and then like bef- the week before the season starts, we'll do a regular season one. Okay, you know what? I I, I I'm down with that. Because I got some takes, I got to fire off. I, I know you do, Dave. You're always brimming with some takes. <laughs> what about you, Chris? B. I, Johnson. You, you guys. Again, you guys are doing good today because you guys are echoing all of my thoughts. I'm not even—I'm jo- I'm like not even joking. <laughs> you guys are just echoing my thoughts on things. <laughs> no, I mean honestly, sometimes like I'll, I'll let Dave start, and then I mean Dave and I disagree 
a good amount, which is nice. But like sometimes Dave will say something I completely agree with and I just reframe it in just like a slightly different way. So it sounds somewhat original, but it's it's just if you listen back, it's the same thing that he says. So I, I yeah. feel that. My public speaking, uh, my public speaking professor in college, I took uh, one of those classes and he was the master at rephrasing everything. It was absolutely ridiculous. I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but like anytime he explained anything, he just he said it for like an hour straight in like 15 different ways, basically saying one sentence. It was like something to behold. It was downright phenomenal. I miss I miss Pear. He was a good man. I mean, I, that's how you got. That's how you deliver effective public speaking. Um, yeah, speeches, right? Because you have to reiterate the message, and it has to sound like it's coming original at you in in a multifaceted uh, fashion. So he had such a monotone, though. Like he'd put you to sleep. He really, I don't know how the man. Okay, that's to be probably, a public speaking. That, that that's teacher. probably antithetical to public speaking field. It probably shouldn't be monotone, but <laughs> he sounds like a good dude. Yeah, he was good. I love Pear. Pear. Maybe I'll take yeah. him next semester. You do not go to the University <laughs> of New Hampshire. I'm tra- Dave, I'm transferring. Bro, if you do, I'm totally reliving my glory days through you. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to New Hampshire, unfortunately. Sorry, man. It's okay. Uh, maybe in another lifetime. Okay, Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to let Chris start with this one because <laughs> it's his favorite topic. Let's do Craig this. Craig Kimbrell. There have been reports, and they have been proven, for the most part, to probably be not true. Um, but there were some rumblings that Craig... And I keep... Rumblings and rumors that Craig Kimbrell has just been... It's been just the pinnacle, and it's just been so over-consuming of our podcast. Anyway, Craig Kimbrell um, may potentially sit out to 2019 if he cannot strike the deal that he wants... Um, this was probably shrouded in falsehood, but Chris, address your updated thoughts on the Craig Kimball saga. So, the the thing that I hated... Oh my god, we're getting a rant. Here we go. Oh, oh you're going to. <laughs> this, is, this, this whole offseason has like made me so angry. So... He, the term that kept being thrown about in all these Craig Kimbrell articles about him, you know, taking 2019 off, is perceived value. I have a perceived value. So, all right, cool. I think I'm worth Araldus Chapman money. Does that mean I'm going to get Araldus Chapman money? No, it does not, because the market doesn't dictate that. My perceived value of my own personal life is that I'm worth limitless money. But guess what? My job pays me a certain amount of dollars, all right? That's how it works. That's how economics works. So if you, as a player, want to get $100 million, six years, or whatever he was asking for, and that's what you perceive yourself as, and no team comes even sniffing close to that, and they're all like, here, I'll give you two, million, two, two years at $30 million, or three years at $40 million, whatever they're giving to him. I, who knows? Um, that's your value. I don't care what your perceived value is, dude. Like, and, and taking a year off, how is that going to help you? <laughs> what? How, how is taking a year off going to make it so that you get more money next year? You're not. I, it's I not. Slightly, I'm going to be a dissenter here. No, you should um, retweet. This, should, this is a retweet moment. Because Bryce Harper not, right now is out there not a with multiple moment. offers I don't over have the same ideology about the free agent market that you share. Oh, I don't like it when mom and dad fight. I'm not saying <laughs> so. No, 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 no. 
I'm not saying that, like, you know, players shouldn't be paid more. I'm not saying take money out of the pockets of players, all right? That's, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying perceived value versus what your actual value is and what teams are telling you you're worth are two entirely different things. And just because you think you're worth something doesn't mean that everybody else thinks you're worth that as well. That's what I'm I talking think, about. I, I think the best indicators for a player's value, first of all, the precedents that have been set with people in terms of contracts for like likewise stats, which is a role as Chapman. Also, they have analytics that can actually compute how valuable a player is. Like war, if you look for dollar for war, Craig Kimbrell is worth a role as Chapman money and probably some. Maybe you had you have to enact an aging curve, but at the same time, if if, if you're going to let these teams, which kind of like there's not, I'm not going to say there's a sniff of collusion, but they're definitely devaluing the market and, and driving prices down, especially to the middle class. That it, it it is it is harmful about what these teams say you're worth because if they're going to start running against what they have already set the market as. And with inflation, these players are going to be worth more money than when Aroldis. What Aroldis Chapman? What he got eighty million over five years or something like that three years ago. Inflation right. says inflation says, especially MLB is just getting more and more profits. That that is not eighty million in today dollars. That is going to go up more. Craig Kimbrell should probably get more than what Aroldis Chapman has because the market is is so cold right now, and that's stuff outside of his control. That's the reason Kimbrel's not getting the money. I don't think it's because teams are. T- I don't. So, I, I don't think it's fair to suggest that the economy doesn't dictate. The economy isn't doing well in terms of free agent market, and then Craig Kimbrel can't sit out, and his perceived value is not matched with what teams are saying. Because what what teams are saying right now is Craig Kimbrel is not worth that money. But every other indicator, to me, and statistically speaking, he is worth that. I see you're thinking in entirely different terms than I am. I think. Okay. I, I think I think that's literally what it is. I think it's like a case of I'm thinking in a different light than you are. So yeah, like this is a market. Mm-hmm. Markets economics means there's supply and demand. Well, guess what? The demand for Craig Kimbrell is not there. So his idea is to just be like. Yeah, I'm not going to sign any contract when he could theoretically have like a two year, say two year, thirty five million dollar contract on the table, right? Just say that's mm-hmm. the number. He's like, no, no, I'm going to wait until next year, and next year I'm definitely going to get my money. When you're another year older and you didn't pitch the year before, like, how does that make any sense? That makes no sense, and it, it just the whole thing just like it boggles my mind. Is what it does. It's, it's like it's like. I know that's probably posturing and that's probably because they have a couple offers on the table and they're trying to make somebody go like the extra mile or something like that. And that's really why I wish when somebody signs that we actually get to see some of the offers that came out instead of just this hearsay stuff. I feel like that should be a thing. So then we can really be mad at somebody. Um, because like say Craig Kimbrough had an offer for what, five years and I don't know, Give me a number. Seventy-five million. Like eight, five years, eight, eighty million. Yeah, so he's five, getting that. five years, eighty million. The exact million. same say, thing as Chapman. Say, yep. Say, say there was two teams that offered him roughly that, and that that didn't that didn't he he didn't take that. So really, are we looking at the player? Is the player the problem, or is it the owners? We don't know what these contract offers are getting right now. 
teams teams drag their heels with the superstars, but they do eventually get paid. The guys that really get screwed are the yep. like the mi- like the middle class who teams once they normally realize like okay we can't get Manny Machado we can't get JD Martinez we'll sign these guys instead. And that's well really- instead of doing that, nobody's signing those guys because all these other teams are still holding out hope that like they can get the superstar and they won't need or want the middle class and the way rookie contracts are, which is completely just exploiting young labor, uh, yep. it's it's so much cheaper to just you know say, hey, I can get a mid mid level prospect to do this for five hundred grand, or I can pay pay five million dollars for some guy to do a slightly better job. But, and that's where like, that's where the the quantifying everything, like Pat was saying, that's where quantifying everything doesn't help because we're quantifying what these guys are worth. So now you're worth two wins above replacement. So I can go and pay this guy 500,000 to be two wins above replacement or maybe 1.5, which is nothing. Uh, That's no no difference. Yeah. People really, uh, and that's the, they're exploiting the system. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I'm not saying like, so they're in it to make money. Like, I'm not saying that like, well, I don't fault the teams for doing what they're doing and like what the, what the Jays are doing with uh, Vlad Jr., keeping him down so they can get more cheap years, like, objectively, a sy- from a management standpoint, that's it's a, a smart systemic thing to problem. do. It's a systemic the, problem. Like, I yeah. They have to change the system. Yeah, I fault, I fault both ends, honestly. Like, I fault the system. I don't fault, I don't fault the players. I, I fault the system. I mean, the owners are just, I guess, they're optimizing within the rules that govern the system. It's just kind of crappy. Because the demand yeah. is not, I mean, obviously the demand for Craig Kimbrell is not there. So his obviously supply demand market not going to be there, but like I feel like we need to investigate why. Like why did Aroldis Chapman get this three years ago when Kimbrell has been the same? I mean maybe it's, he's a little older, but why is he a little bit better? Honestly, it's a little analytics. better. Better honestly, like a- analytically wise, yeah, Craig Kimbrell objectively is in the ballpark at the very least. But so why is he not getting these this 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 money that he deserves based off precedents that have been set in the past? When money was even, the profits were not the same that they are today, and teams have more money, and inflation has inflated the worth of a dollar even more. But you have to think about it, think about it in regards to baseball as like analytics and data. It's looked at entirely different than it was just like three years ago, three or four years ago. The whole the whole landscape has changed because of the analytics that have been applied to it, and I I don't think that was that that didn't happen four years ago that's and that's where we're looking at all these contracts like why aren't these guys worth this well we now have analytics that say well i can go get somebody else to do that it's roughly same thing maybe um for way less money yes and i and i will say that there that is very fair i think not only are i mean analytics have probably been around for i mean anal, analytics generally speaking have been around for a while but they really started popularizing around the moneyball area era which is in the early 2000s but now in today's game we're seeing like the standardization of analytics and this convergence where all the teams are privy to the same information and everything suggests that long-term like contracts big contracts long-term contracts lucrative contracts for the middle class are not as fruitful or efficient as you know paying someone the league minimum who might give you similar production or like signing you know Bryce Harper, Manny Machado for 400, 500 million. Like that is, it, I mean, analytic, the, the convergence of analytics has made it so all these teams know what is a stupid offer and what is a stupid deal. So they are playing a fair game, but they're playing a game 
which is, I think, has to be questioned because the system is making it so at this point in time, these middle class free agents are getting screwed over. And we've now seen evidence of this with two years. This is supposed to be a super class. And this has just obviously cratered um, into one of the more abysmal class. And we have amazing players like Craig Kimbrell, like Dallas Keuchel. Like, I know Bryce Harper's probably going to sign within the week, but the fact that it took to February for Machado and Harper to sign and that we got Keuchel and Kimbrell, who uh, obviously one's going to slide into maybe top middle of the rotation, one's going to be an all-star closer, and to have them not have contracts at this point, it's kind of concerning. And not only that, it doesn't help that 10 to 15 teams are actively trying to lose right now. Exactly. Like, the tanking's a problem, too, and that comes in with the analytics. If, if, if you know, if you know that you're not going to be competitive or don't have plans to in 2019, why, you know, buy someone in the middle class? Why put money towards Keuchel or, or someone like that when you can just get somebody from, you know, AAA who might have a five ERA, but he's going to cost a league minimum. We're going to, he's going to contribute to our higher draft pick anyway. Yeah, it's better to lose 110 games than it is to lose 80. It's a system. I, I honestly feel like they should enact a, a floor. So they have teams need Absolutely. to spend there needs a to certain be a amount of floor. money. There needs to be a salary floor. And like I haven't I haven't heard any compelling argument against the salary floor. I feel like it's kind of glossed over. But like statistically, like economically speaking, I, I feel like it's sound. And at the, at, at the end of the day, it's just going to dr- – if you adjust it to inflation – then I don't see a problem with with enacting floor. Well, I think the I NFL, think the, for all its flaws, like they have a salary floor and it does a good job. I think yeah. the I think the Machado signing brings to light that all teams have money. Like the Padres aren't they're not known as a big market big spender. That's not their mo. And the past two years, they brought on Hosmer. They brought on Machado. I, I'm not saying the Hosmer signing was good, uh, but, but they did it. But they, they did had it. The financial and they spe- resources to do it. Exactly. So clearly, every team has it. And, and maybe, honestly, not the maybe, maybe I was gonna say maybe not the Rays. Maybe not maybe. the Rays or the A's. I, I, yeah. I, I will sit here. Honestly, and- the Hosmer signing like hurting actually just helps the case that teams have this money even more because like the Padres are actively able to eat a not great contract and then dish out the biggest one in league history to Machado. Because they have no one else besides Hosmer and Machado. Like yeah, but I mean, committed. still, $300 million is a, a lot of money. It is, but it's, it, I mean, like, statistically speaking, probably worth it uh, for Machado. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying Machado is not worth the money. I'm just arguing that people that say, like, you know, small market teams can't afford, can't afford one or two stars are wrong. The Padres proved yeah. that you can and I mean, we're in an era of revenue sharing, too. So a lot of these teams with the bigger TV deals with the bigger markets are sharing to these smaller revenue teams. And that's why they, they had the um, they had. I, I don't know if it was a grievance filed against it was the Marlins, Rays, A's and two other teams, I think. Where Pirates they were, were in it. Pirates were in it. Was there another team? Oh, my God. The Pirates, that whole like how much the Pirates have spent on. Uh, free yeah, agents yeah, yeah. or whatever that, that was like mind-boggling it's Bob Nutting Bob Nutting doesn't spend but anyway yeah they had the grievance last year filed against them for not appropriating their revenue sharing money appropriately into actually building competitive baseball teams so I, I think I think that's also a problem if you're you know going to go down this revenue sharing um, which I, I agree with but at the same time if you're not using it to you know field a more competitive team then gosh just right into the pockets that's why we have to make sure that the discrepancy between the share of the owner's dollars doesn't start to stray away from the player's dollars. So it already is. It, it, it is. And yeah. there's a discrepancy. But, but I saw some some 
some statistics and some research done where it's actually closer than people think. Like it's around 50, 50 or something like that. But at the same time, yeah, we can't let that, we can't let that continue to, to divide in, in, in my opinion. But yeah, let's, uh, that was a good conversation though. That was the most we ever got out of, Craig Kimbrell. Like, normally it's just me saying the same thing I've been saying for months. Chris moaning and Patch is saying, yeah, we should stop talking I had about to, this. I had, to, <laughs> I, I had to get mad at... I, I really, really would love to see like... And I know it'll never happen because, you know, privacy and whatnot. Um, and it'll never be agreed to. But I would really love when a guy signs that all of the offers that were presented to him, like final offers that were presented, get released as well. I would just, I, I, it, it would, it would fascinate me to see those offers. I, I, I just, would, I mean, like, go ahead. Making that, making that public, I don't think. I, I feel like that would be a pretty good idea. I mean, like, you have that transparency, but you can kind of show fans which teams are actively being competitive in terms of the agent market and kind of like actually, you know, get a sense. So, oh, if yeah. I were, if I were a player, my salary is already public, so I don't care if you, if you get to see what offers were made to me yeah you know what you know what i didn't take the most money so i because i wanted to be with your team well it means the fans are going to love me more like how do you lose like most people know that they're facing they're chasing the most money so it's not like i would get mad because machado spurned the chicago white Sox for an extra 30 million over with the padres like i wouldn't get mad at that and i also wouldn't get mad if he took the white Sox money because he wanted to play in chicago like I, I there's I, I don't see a lose situation for releasing the offers, other than in a case like Craig Kimbrell, maybe he had those um, couple of offers for five years, eighty million, and he didn't take them, and now he's complaining that he didn't get them. Maybe that's the case. Who knows? Uh, but if that's the case, then I I do place blame on players in the in that instance. Let's just in specific as like. As it pertains to Craig Kimbrell's case, there's always teams who could use a reliever his caliber. Like it's not like a, it's not a saturated market by, by any means. There are plenty. There's of no such that, thing as too much good pitching in Craig exactly. Kimbrell. Yeah, like he's he's not 2013 or whatever. Craig Kimbrell just went absolutely nuts with the Braves. He's not that guy anymore. But he is still one of the best relievers in baseball. I mean, he's a year removed from per, arguably his best season ever. True, true. 2017 was great. But some people yeah. some people don't still don't get why the Red Sox won't just sign him. It's because they, while we can't say that they don't have money, they're at the point where they have to make decisions because at some point you do have to bring your money down. You can't just always spend yeah. up in the range that they're spending. and You just can't. It does, you can't yeah. sustain that business model. Like, I just blame the Red Sox for not re-signing Kimbrell if it means that they couldn't afford to get Bogarts, Betts, or, like, you know, some of those other young talents. Like, I'd much rather have Xander Bogarts for the next five years than Craig Kimbrell. I'd obviously rather have Mookie Betts for the next five years than Craig Kimbrell. Maybe even Jackie if the whole new swing thing works out, but, you know, that's a toss-up. That is a toss-up. But, um, okay, this, uh, I was on ESPN, um, and I think this is very relevant to the conversation. Oh, here we go. Da- David Schoen- Schoenfield? Let's just, let's just hope. Um, <laughs> he's, he's an ESPN Red Sox writer, and he had a piece on John Henry and quoted him as saying, spending more money helps. 
Wouldn't it be nice to be John Henry and being able to say that? But yeah, Spend- spending more money helps. That's what he says in terms of of, of the market right now. Insightful. I mean, insightful. <laughs> Thank you for being able to say that, John Henry. But what a brave man. What a brave, what a brave man. Uh, we actually got another Twitter questions, guys, in, in the last, uh, minute. Well, was oh, right. Actually, this is a re, uh, this is actually a good, good question. Will K. Groom had 80 home runs this year. How did you know? No, kidding. Um, this is Scott Nadell. He's, he's asked a couple questions and they've been really good. So thanks, Scott, for continuing to participate. But his, his, his handle is at the underscore surfing under, underscore guy. And he asks, who's going to close? Barnes, Brazier? It's, is total BS? Explanation point. Um, okay. I'm going to close. Scott, thanks for the question. Um, no, Barnes is probably going to be the closer. I'd rather he be a guy that sort of they just use like Andrew Miller with the Indians where he just goes into the highest leverage situation. And you save Brazier for later. I, I do not think that is BS, but, um, you know, cause I think both guys are pretty good pitchers. I think getting to that point is going to be the issue. So we'll just have to see how the season goes. We might just have to hope that like one of our relievers is really good for a month at a time and sort of like, like what we did last year where we rode the jo- Joe Kelly hot train for a little bit. Then Brandon Workman got hot. We let him pitch for a little bit. Then Matt Barnes got really hot, so we let him pitch for a little bit. And sort of just ride it out like that. It's not an ideal strategy, but that appears to be the one we're going with right now. At least until Feltman's ready for the majors, or if we decide Darwin's and Hernandez is a reliever, until he's up in the majors. Okay. Uh, What about you, Chris? I'm going to go and say that they're going to spend most of... 2019, almost forgot what year it was, 2019, um, <laughs> figuring out who the closer is. Like, I, I don't think they're going to definitively hand it to one guy because of spring training. I think we're going to see a lot of um, situational matchups. You know, the closer by committee, which isn't great, but it'll probably be closer by committee until somebody emerges. Um, so maybe Barnes grabs it by the balls and takes it, you know, maybe, maybe Brazier does, who knows. Um, but it, it's exciting to me a little bit, but it's also terrifying at the same time. Like I would just love to have a guy that, you know, is going to close the game versus uh, let's spin the wheel and hope for the best. But it is what it is at this point. That's probably what it's going to be. Do, do you guys know that Ryan Brazier is going to turn 32 this season? I did. Like he's the oldest person on in the bullpen. He's only younger than David Price in terms of like <laughs> pitching staff in general. I didn't know he was that old. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in the minors and in Japan. I I did know he had like his he had his uh he had a lot of stints in the minors but with the Twins and then he went to Japan. I didn't know he was thirty two. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Never too late. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the. Well, we were talking about earlier about that uh career minor leaguer who just needs to give up on their dreams. That was Ryan, Ryan Brazier two years ago. And yeah. look where he is. And if, yep. you, uh, World Series champion. If, you, if you've ever seen The Rookie, that's also a reason to never give up on your dreams. That's true. That is true. Pat, you've never seen The Rookie, yeah. have you? Isn't that the one with the, the kid playing baseball? No, no, that's... Uh, that's Rookie of the Year. What is that one? Yeah, the, Rookie of the, the Year. The kid pitches for the Cubs or something, right? Yeah, that's Rookie of the yeah. Year. Yeah. I'm talking about the it's one. It's not rookie uh, of the year. I think yes, it is rookie of the year. Yes, it is. The, the rookie, the, at least the one I'm thinking the of, is about some old, old 
So rookie of the year, that's I think that's the one about the kid that pitches for the Cubs and then like the last guy he strikes out the guy that like swings four baseball bats at a time and he uses his mom's softball <laughs> glove or something like that. The rookie is about some dude that like based on a true story who like taught some high schoolers how to hit and they're like we won't give up on our dream if you don't give up on yours and they like win the state title or something and then the dude goes on to pitch for the Tampa Bay Rays and he like strikes out he strikes yeah. out the side in like a big inning or something yeah he had like he had like shoulder surgery in the minors and it like stopped his career and he was a coach for a high school team basically oh. and uh, then he he spends a lot of his time like throwing baseballs around and whatnot. And what Dave said is true about the the kid do the, them with the whole winning the, uh, winning the, the state title or whatever it is. And then he went to like a open tryout, which doesn't I don't even think exists anymore. Uh, I was like an open tryout to um, become like like for people to to try to bring them on, and uh, he got a call back from the Rays. But yeah, he found out he could pitch like 98 miles an hour after the shoulder surgery. That sounds like, look, I have spring break next week. I know what I'm doing. I'm watching the rookies. I actually took a baseball and film class last semester, and it was like an upper-level English class, so it satisfied my requirements. And honestly, all I did was watch baseball. It was like a three-hour class, so we watched a movie every single week. That is like the greatest class ever. Yeah, I literally watched like A League of Their Own, The Natural. We watched both Jackie Robinson movies. We watched both Babe Ruth movies. It was a good eight men out. Like We watched everything. It, It was fun. And like... I just like got, you know, fast food, some popcorn, slushy, and just sat there and watched. It was very enjoyable. I recommend it if you're feeling like you want to go back to college and you want to go to back to college in, in a crappy university in North Carolina. I was just going to say, let me tell you about my experience with, I think, the same degree you're trying to get. Right? I'm an English major. Oh, you are. Okay. Why did I think you're a communications major? Uh, I, I, I was at one point, and I'm an English major now. Uh, never mind then. The, uh, I mean, I'm a communications minor, so we're still on like same kind of path ish. Not really, no. Nah. All right. Aaron Hicks uh, signed. Uh, Aaron Hicks signed an extension this week. It was for seven years, seventy million. Doesn't directly pertain to the Red Sox, but since, you know, anything that happens with the Yankees kind of effectively is residual effects on the Boston, because that's our biggest rival. That's, uh, the Yankees are, um, having, they signed Severino to a 40 or 45 million extension earlier. Um, does this, we have one of our new writers actually write an article about this. Um, does, does this pave the way for the Red Sox to, or put pressure on the Red Sox to kind of, you know, get the ball rolling with the extension? I'll ask that as a follow-up question, but my first question is, what do you guys think of the Hicks move in general, uh, Dave? Seven years feels like a long time for a guy like that, especially, like, he's going to be 37 at the end of the deal. So that's uh, a long time for a guy who, in my opinion, is just good, not great outfielder. Um, but it's the Yankees, so they can afford to spend money however they want. Sort of solidifies their outfield, and it confirms that you could. Jacoby Ellsbury has perished some point between 2015 and 2016. Rest in peace, Jacoby. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of just the Yankees building up depth, and I'm surprised Hicks is the first guy of the bunch they re-signed, but obviously he's not going to be the most expensive. Um, yeah, kind of keeps them the same. 
What, what, what about you, Chris? What are your thoughts? I was kind of shocked. Not shocked. Shocked's the wrong word. Mildly surprised. surprised? Mildly surprised. I, I'm more surprised at the length. Like, the, the okay. length of that contract is... it It's it's an extension, right, on the, what he currently is on? Is that correct? Sorry, I... You said yeah, 37. So. And it was... Because so, no, yeah, he's 28. I, yeah. No, no definitive answer on that one? No definitive answer. All right, we don't need a definitive no definitive answer. answer. I, I just, I, I just, for what the player is, I just, it's kind of not a lot of money, but it's surprising money, I guess, for yeah, like, for who Aaron Hicks is. Can, can, yeah, can, can, can with I the stacked core the Yankees have? I'm surprised. Like Hicks is the one. It's like, like if I'm the Yankees, he's the one I would have been fine with losing. Yeah, that's can, can that's I, what I, I think. It's like can, the whole JBJ can, argument, like. If you're fine with losing somebody of a core, you would think it's that, that he's guy. yeah, it's that guy. I, I have an interjection. I have a completely different take. Here we go. Uh, Explain. Uh, Aaron Hicks is one of the most underrated players in baseball. You know, he was worth like five wins last year and three wins the year before. Like context, JBJ has been worth four wins in the past uh, two years combined. So Aaron Hicks last year was worth four, four points, like nine wins. Um, I don't want to make it all about war, but just for context, uh, among outfielders with at least 550 plate appearances in the past two seasons, Aaron Hicks has the 12th most war. He has 127 WRC+. plus. In fact, he has essentially the same amount of war recruit over the last two years as a guy named Bryce Harper, who's about to make, uh, you know, $350 million. I will say the, the length did surprise me just because he will be 37, but this is going to be because, I mean, people forget Aaron Hicks is a damn good defensive outfielder. Like, he's a damn good defensive outfielder who can hit. He has a higher WRC plus over the past two years than Marcella Zuna. Essentially the same as Charlie Blackman. And these are good hitters right here. Aaron Hicks is a good player. He's a good hitter. He's a good defender. Very underrated, underappreciated skill set. Um, and I think this deal is a steal. Honestly. I mean, I get it's not like that you, you know, why aren't you going after Judd right now? But you can, you, you, you can, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. The fact that they got Aaron Hicks. Um, for this contract, I, I think it was pretty brilliant, and I'm not, a, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm pro-Yankee, but this is a good move. I'm just going to say walking and chewing gum at the same time is super dangerous. I can walk and chew gum fine. I, I, I can probably I was, run a marathon. I, I was kidding. Um, but uh, I, I just... I, that I, some I, people actually struggle. It does, I'll give you this much, Pat. It does make me upset that... Uh, the Yankees are paying Aaron Hicks roughly what the Red Sox will have paid Rusne Castillo over the life of their respective contracts. <laughs> that that, yeah, that does bother me. That, that, that does. Yeah, that that is another good. One. I would much any day of the week I'd take Aaron Hicks over Rusne, the yeah, pride of Pawtucket. I, I, I saw on Twitter they they were like Red Sox fans were roasting the Yankees a little bit, and they were like, "Oh, Aaron Hicks for this much money is ridiculous." And then someone said, "You guys are paying Rusne Castillo." For the same contract with, with two like two million dollars extra, and you're talking about how this is a bad deal. Yeah, that was uh, that was mean. Well, we've but made yeah, a few oopsies along the way. Nobody hey, denies that. Four, we've won four World Series in the past uh, fifteen years. So is this yeah. is, is this a cop for JBJ? You think? No, Aaron. Hicks I don't think Jack. I, I mean, a little bit. I, I think Aaron Hicks is a better player. Truthfully, yes and no. Like I think the man who owns. The JBJ jersey. 
That's because you guys don't know about my secret Aaron Hicks jersey. No, you, you'd be cut <laughs> off from the podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't. I, don't I'm now, I am now the host of this podcast. Um. <laughs> get in li- hey, get in line, son. I'm running the show. <laughs> uh, uh, but then, but then, Dave, that was like, no. If Chris was still here, you would. He could do the uh, production and stuff. Yeah, he'd do the producing. This would just be like. Hour-long rants with Chris interjecting as he felt necessary. <laughs> oh, it'd just be me saying retweet over and over, you know. That's all, that's all I gotta say. Retweet. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Stuff like that. But yeah, Aaron Hicks, underrated. He, he He's a 372 OBP in 2017, 475 slug in 2017, 366 OBP in 2018, 467 slug in uh, 2018. Like, you compare that to JBJ, who's got like a, you know, a Low OBP, a slugging percentage barely over 400. Like these are different players. Hicks is a, not as good of a defender, but he's close. Hicks is Hicks is, in my opinion, a better player. And you know, like if you look at center fielders in general, they're they're not a lot of great center fielders. I think MLB.com at its top when they did their top ten list for center fielders, he was actually like number two. So Jackie Bradley? No, Aaron Hicks. Oh, Jackie Bradley. I don't think made the top ten, which upset gee, me, I but, wonder who number one was. Uh, some guy with. The last name that's a fish. Oh, uh, does he play for the Dodgers or one of those LA teams? Can't remember which one. Yeah, one one of those teams. Okay. I, I can't remember either. Yeah, maybe the Padres somewhere somewhere in California. Yeah, so, San Francisco, Oakland. We got, we Could got be. Yeah. I don't know. Um, hey, this is a Red Sox specific podcast. We don't focus on that league wide stuff. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we just talked about Aaron Hicks for five minutes. Yeah, but and, that's uh, more relevant. Bryce Harper and. <laughs> And, and like you know, league-wide contract fiascos. Yeah. We don't know anything about the league. Okay. Um. Yeah. I actually think that's probably going to do it for this episode, though, guys. Um. You don't. We got wanna, any departing you, thoughts? You don't want oh. rapid fire. You got rapid fire? Yeah. What do you think I do? Oh, Let's do it. Yeah. You think I just? I I... You think I just sit here and like do nothing while you guys are talking? Jeez. I mean, I yeah, do. I, I do know. nothing. I, I thought you just listened to us and I multitask. Know. That's why I sometimes I forget things. Ah, okay, that uh, makes okay. sense. Like I just lean back in my chair and and listen. Yeah. All right. But okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Let's do some rapid fire. Get context the rapid fire though. No, I'm not contexting the rapid fire context anymore. The rapid fire. <laughs> no, dude, it, it's so week. obvious how it works. Yes, it's but so. It's like, it's like it'll take you five seconds. This is this is the Red Sox unfiltered rapid fire segment sponsored by nobody. All right, here we go. Uh, question one: Will Hanley have more plate appearances than last year? No. Oh, that's good. That's yes. a good question. No. I'm going with yes. I'm going with yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? One of you. One of you take the mantle and explain. I'm just gonna let Dave explain because I'll just say retweet. I honestly think if he doesn't break camp with the Indians, he'll come soon, and I think he's gonna like get some time at DH or first or whatever. I think I think he's gonna see some playing time. And Hanley played two months last year. It's not gonna be hard to beat last year's plate count. Retweet. I'm gonna subtweet. <laughs> Retweet with comment. <laughs> Retweet with comment. It's not Quote gonna be nice. Tweet is what the kids are calling <laughs> it these days. Quote tweet. Yep. <laughs> What's our next R R fire? Oh, right. I'm doing this. I, every time I do this, I always forget that I do it. <laughs> Number two. What is the appropriate date to take your Christmas decorations down? If you don't celebrate Christmas, I apologize. Uh, December 26th. Get that shit down. Amen. I, I, I do January 1st. 
uh, I thought you were going to be like a Juner. Um, no, God, no. I thought I thought, I actually, I, I thought so Chris was going to be a Juner. I still have so this we have the. I'm going to explain because I don't care what you think. Um, I've got this <laughs> uh, this this sign that says "Warmest Wishes" and it's like a uh, like a couple of birds and one of them has a Santa hat on and it's like a beach scene and it's, it's hanging over one of my doors right now. And I think it literally hung over that door for the entire year. And I just like don't I just forget that it's there. I mean, like, look, you're doing better than me. I don't I don't even have Christmas decorations in my apartment. If I had them, I know I'm very lazy, so I probably would not take them down uh, in time. But that's just out of laziness, not out of, uh, you know, trying to hold on to the Christmas spirit in August. I'm always holding on to the Christmas spirit. Moving on. Is the bullpen or rotation more important? Rotation. Bull, bullpen. I'm going with what? I'm, no. I'm going with rotation. Fuck out of here. Explain. Rotation. rotation so, rotation. I had to think about this one. I mean, rotation, obviously. You didn't think that more, I, 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 No, I, ha, I did have a really, I had to some, did some soul searching very quickly. But um, I would say no, especially now that we have like this convergence between the rotation of bullpen and roles aren't really defined. The bullpen days and like the bullpen in general is going to be this big entity. And I feel like the rotation is going to dissolve into it. And we're not really going to be talking about, you know, traditional rotation soon. So I feel like the bullpen, the way the league is moving, is going to be more important going down the line. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think the whole opener thing, like, yes, bullpens are more important than they ever been, but the whole opener thing, what the Rays were doing last year, they did that because they had two starting pitchers, and after the trade did Deadline. They had one, and they were too never, cheap to sign of, anybody. A lot of teams adopted. A lot of teams adopted. The yeah, because they're chasing too. trends, and they're going to realize that it only works in a very specific scenario. And if you it have works, a good starting like pitcher, it, it, if you have it, a good analytically supported, pitcher, if you have a good starting pitcher, it's never a smart idea to take out Chris Sale so that you can put in Brian Johnson. That's never going to be a smart thing to do. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that that's that's the case, but I'm what. What the hell? It's my buzzer to stop fights in rapid fire. Oh. oh. What the? That sounded like someone's getting... Please never do that again. Try, trying new things, guys. <laughs> no. no I... faint, like, it sounds horrifying and chilling, but it sounds so faint that, like, I, I don't know. I didn't, like... <laughs> yeah, that was, like, head. in yeah. the distance. Like, I thought, your, I thought your children were being slaughtered. <laughs> I did, too. I was really scared for you guys. <laughs> Moving on to stop your your fighting, uh, cash or debit? Debit, credit, debit. Look at Dave, Mister Fancy Pants over here, puts everything on credit I don't cards. E- I don't even like have he has his financial card. life together. You get rewards for using a credit card. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> uh. Uh, do you want more players mic'd up during games? Yes. yes. Yeah, me too. That Trevor Bauer thing, did you see that? That was hilarious. Monkey oh, Bats last that. year in spring training. That was also hilarious. I'm not, I'm not getting to this one, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final question here. Favorite potato chip flavor? Salt and vinegar. Uh, salt. Barbecue. You guys, you guys like are that. really basic. That's... Okay. What's your... Uh, it's sour cream and cheddar, specifically Lay's baked. Oh, what's cream. what's so unique about that? 
Is that really that far from salt and vinegar that you had to call, or barbecue that you had to call us out? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I like I like sour cream and cheddar. It's pretty good. And that was the uh, rapid fire segment here, uh, sponsored by nobody because we can't be bought. Back to Pat for the weather. Uh, right now it's uh, sixty degrees here in North Carolina. Oh, it's probably <laughs> it's probably colder where you guys are listening. I'm currently from. waiting for snow. Uh, you know, it's sixty degrees. It was sunny all day. I, you know, red outside. It was a really good time. Don't be jealous. And that's Patrick for the weather. And now we're actually going to close this episode. Um. Okay. Departing thoughts. Dave, go. Um. So Darwin's and Hernandez today. Two innings. Uh. No runs. Three strikeouts. Only one walk. Annual reminder. The starter. Okay. Chris. Trade Sandy Leone. For what? Anything. Bag of baseballs. And uh, I usually don't have a departing thought, but uh, uh, Pat, Tony Pat, Renda, Pat, that thought. guy. Thank you. I've all, no one ever asked me. I've, <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs> took 42 damn episodes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Tony, Tony Renda hit a home run. Pretty cool. You remember Tony Renda? He had that one run scored that one game against the Yankees. Red Sox uh, legend. Red Sox sleeper this year. Don't sleep on him. He will contribute probably nothing. I am I'm, sleeping I'm, so hard I'm, on him. I was him. just going to say, I'm sleeping on him, too. <laughs> but yeah, guys, uh, well, Marcus Walden, we need to mention, also pitched a scoreless inning today, and Dave is terrified that he will make the roster, so stay tuned for that. Watch out for that. But yeah, guys, that's actually going to do it for this episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast, episode number 42. Um, so you can follow us on a myriad of places, including our wonderful Twitter account, at Unfiltered. Please follow us there. It's, it's spring training season, so we got a lot more content for you guys. We have a Facebook page called Red Sox Unfiltered, um, and we put a lot of our content on there, so please check that out. And as always, RedSoxUnfiltered.com, RedSoxUnfiltered.com, RedSoxUnfiltered.com. Um, that's the website we write and podcast for. So, yeah, uh, this podcast can be heard on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, among other places, if our wonderful affiliates the grueling truth decides to post this it'll be on their platforms which include iHeartRadio. so please you can listen to this anywhere and if yeah do it um but yeah that's good gonna do it for this episode um so happy to have red Sox back in our life even if the games are absolutely meaningless and we talk about drivel of sample size for 20 minutes but yeah thanks for listening guys and as always go red I need to just do like a blooper I'm gonna, reel. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna create just a blooper like... set. <laughs>
I heard the song. <laughs> something. I was gonna say something about the Twitter account, but I completely forgot. Like One year anniversary. Nicole. Damn it! That's what I was gonna say. Ah. Uh, that's okay. It's not that important. But you see, like, the generic one that Twitter gave yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, Twitter really went all out for us. I know. Like, that is, like, the ugliest one, too. Like, the background is just so ugly. Like, you can put a goddamn candle on that or something. 